Hey everybody, this is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. So thanks to everybody who listened to my last episode on Shonen Problems. I'm sorry if you haven't heard it. Um, it I had some technical issues. I've, tackle, I've tackled the technical issues and we can move on from there. <laughs> um, so I want to jump right into it and talk about what we're talking about today. And that is Darwin's Game. Do it. 
Now, for those of you who don't know what Darwin's Game is, it is a, what they call a Battle Royale anime, which is a specific niche genre of a niche genre of of entertainment, so there's a good chance you wouldn't have heard of Darwin's Game. There's also a good chance you have, and if you have, don't expect a a plot beat by plot beat um, summary of Darwin's Game here. More expect a um, a kind of deep dive into what Darwin's game is because I sat down. So I sat down and I watched a odd succession of things. I watched the I watched Darwin's game because every once in a while I get co opted by trash by trash for trash people. Um, and then I watched um, the Woodstock nineteen ninety the Woodstock nineteen ninety nine documentary which is a unique weird thing and then i also watched the social network and this smashes into a bunch of things in my head since if you haven't already guessed i am a total media nerd and i have watched not just primarily anime but not just anime for a huge portion of my life and what that means is i I describe myself for a time on Twitter as an industrial strength consumption machine. And I really mean that. What I mean by that is I listen to, read, watch all kinds of just the, all kinds of the most insane shit, all kinds of shit, period. And that leaves me with a lot to pull from, from my, in my brain. And that's part of the reason why I can do this first podcast, now podcast, and accompanying video version of the podcast on YouTube, which if you haven't gone check it out yet, you should totally go check it out so you can see my big dumb face. Um, But that allowed me to be able to make a lot of odd assumptions about, uh, a lot, not assumptions really, but a lot of odd readings of media in a way that not everybody prepared to. I have the kind of preparedness of media consumption that is demanded of really a critic or a reviewer, and that's why I can do this podcast. I think I didn't even consider doing a anime podcast until I was like 300 shows in the hole. And normally, I'm not a huge um, proponent of you know boasting your watch count, but in the case of if you're talking about the anime as a whole, or if you're talking about the industry, I would encourage you to watch as much as you can. Even watch stuff that like you wouldn't normally watch, and also stuff that like it you know is not up your alley, because it's important that you have that kind of what's the best word for it. It's important that you have that kind of breath of knowledge and that's really the only reason why you should be 
boasting your boosting your watch count and boasting your watch count to other people. Is if you really want that breadth of knowledge and you want that breadth of knowledge as a useful tool in your arsenal to talk about this stuff. Um, that's part of the reason why it took me so long to do to conceive of doing panels for the same reason. I knew that if I wanted to do a panel at a convention, I would need to have a have a like totality of knowledge about something about any one subject that could intersect with anime that I would be able to have a real conversation have a real conversation with an audience and give a presentation from a place of authority that's part of the reason why I decided on my first panel being Disability, being disability in anime because I knew I had that authority as a disabled person in the world. And I think that big media things happen and big media things take hold and we don't always recognize them in the moment. One of the big media things that has come to shape our media diets and lives is a little movie that was released, I think, in the in the mid to late '90s, and made it to America in the early aughts. And that film is Battle Royale. Now, it, you've probably heard the term Battle Royale all over the place, mainly around a game called Fortnite. But basically, the movie Battle Royale is about a version of Japan where they gather up the, I believe the like 42 lowest ranking high school students in Japan. And they airdrop and they airlift and drop them on an abandoned island that's got nothing but a whole bunch of weapons and um and I believe they have food. Like they have like vending machines and stuff on the island so they can survive and they just say, okay, you got a month. In that month, we will be back, but we will only pick up the one person. The rest of you, and if you can't do it, we'll just... They also put bomb collars around the neck, and if you can't kill each other, we'll kill you all. But one student get to survive this. Go. If that sounds familiar, it probably sounds like the Hunger Games. It probably sounds like Darwin's Game. If you've seen that at this point, you're tuning into it. It probably sounds like Future Diary. It probably sounds like, I don't know, um, what's it called? Um, the Fate series. I, what I'm trying to say here is that this concept has existed in film form as a kind of cult classic Japanese film for a while now. But the thing that that film was about is the thing that all of these kind of predecessors are missing. Um, not least of which Fortnite. Fortnite is totally just like a weird abstraction of it in a totally different direction. And actually, the thing that The Hunger Games, probably the second moat, probably the most pure version of it, of Battle Royale as a film, as a concept, 
guess right, gets like aggressively right. And that is that this this film is an indictment of the like Japanese um of Jap of Japanese society and the fact that Japanese society is supposed to be an intensely merit based. I think the like technical term is mer is meritocratic. And that that sits badly with just about every Japanese politician and every Japanese person of like importance in the world. And it's why it's wild when you bring up the concept of battle royale to say a Japanese politician, how like greasy and evasive you can see them get. They generally don't like it. And the reason why they generally don't like it is because it has this had this core truth to it that Japanese the Japanese society and really all society has this downward pressure on the generations that come after you being born, basically. And that means that you put all this pressure on, and especially now, people putting all this pressure on younger and younger people to be the hope of the next universe, of, of, of the future. And I felt that when I was in school, to some extent, I still feel that. Just about everybody who's not at the top, at the top of the ladder, just about anybody who's under the age of baby boomer feels that at some point. But what this proposes is this proposes that we're not just going to do that to the top, very top end. For the bottom end, we're going to make you fight for goddamn scraps. Now, here's what I want to talk about Darwin's game. And what I want to talk about kind of the battle royale, death game, so to speak, genre as a whole. And this includes things like Mirai Nikki, kind of the most famously. It, Mirai Nikki is the, like, archetype, is the archetype that came out of battle royale as a, fil as a film and is now being kind of, like, carbon copied with Darwin's game, with King's game, with... Um, any number of the, with Batum, um, with any number of different Battle Royale-like, I'm going to call them Battle Royale-likes, out there in the anime world. And the thing that they don't get is they don't, they don't grab that, um, that core criticism of society and of, um, of society's treatment of the younger generations. What they grab instead is they grab a kind of power fantasy disguised as a unwilling, you know, unwilling for unwilling characters forced into this situation. Um, if you look at the main character of Darwin's game, who whose name I don't actually remember. Um, because it's actually not that important because you can swap it out for any of the other characters you, whose names you probably remember, but I probably won't because they're all, they're all audience insert characters, so to speak, to a point. And the reason why they're audience insert characters to a point is because 
they are audience insert characters until they become wish fulfillment audio audience insert characters. The best way to think about this is to think about Kirino from um, Sword Art Online. One of the reasons why Sword Art Online got so massively popular, but is still so universally and massively kind of despised, is because Kirino is the like core white male power fantasy that feels like it's winking its, at itself so hard its eyeballs are popping out of the back of its skull, but it also feels like it doesn't want to do anything with that concept at all. And what that turns into is it turns into, like, you know, kids who are 13, 14, just getting into anime, probably love Sword Online. Online. We've all... We've all mock it, and that requires that we've all seen it and watch it. But it's not... Sword Art Online feels like it's poking at a deep place, but it doesn't feel like it wants... It doesn't feel like it's interested in going that deep into whatever it's exploring. So you get a super weird power fantasy that feels like wish fulfillment. Feels like wish fulfillment almost in the same way that um, Piccolo feels like wish fulfillment in the black anime community. Like Piccolo is a rough but pretty good dad to Gohan and he is also this super powerful badass who stays out of society when it tries to fuck him because he knows it will try to fuck him over. And had that option because he is a super powerful badass and ultimately fuses with and becomes like the ruler of Earth. <laughs> That's a pretty good like set of wish fulfillment nonsense if you're going to make one. But where this kind of wish fulfillment audience surrogate character kind of comes into pl play with Battle Royale anime is it. It sets up a nightmare scenario. It sets up a scenario where you are forced to take part in a um, death game, in a uh, most dangerous game, so to speak. If you've never heard of most dangerous game, it's a short story about a rich dude who purchases and then puts collars on and releases out into the wild for him to hunt whole humans. Um, but where? Where it could just wallow in that, like, oh, fuck, we all have to play this dumbass game. Or it could do the more interest, uh, a more interesting, unique thing with the concept. Like, Future Diary. Future Diary, I believe, from when, from when I watched it, has a more, like, you are being forced into this by the wills of fate. And you don't really control it, so you might as well um, participate because if you don't, you're gonna die anyway. Um, but Darwin's game is pretty is interesting because at no point in this show does the character, the main character, whose name I meant to look up, um, not have agency. He um, actually. Is, encour is encouraged not to open the Darwin's Game app. He is told, like, hey, I, I bought... He's told by a friend, hey, I bought into this, 
that's how I got that sweet new Vespa I got, or motorbike rather. Don't get involved with this shit. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth your time or effort at all. Don't do it. And he, like, he sees that he has the app and he's like, hey man, um, don't touch that app. I know it showed up on your phone for no reason. Do not open it. Do not even touch it. We need to have a talk. Like away from other people. Away from our third friend. I can't tell you why. I can't say it out loud. But it's like I need to be here when you open this up. And like it's a dumb teenager today. It's the main character. Eventually just like clicks it. Like what is, what is this thing? And he, all but, all but immediately. So, you've made a leap of logic here when you had the character knowingly forfeit their, like, right to choose kind of thing. Not, like, in the way that, um, preg that pregnancy is a thing, but in the way that, um, he, ha he had a choice and he made that choice. And the, the important thing there is that from that point on, our main character kind of dives deeper and deeper into the world of this game and the world of death ga of Battle Royale anime in general. This is true of Batum, this is true of all of them. And what that ultimately means is you need... First, to have a period, usually a whole season, of the, of the main character being on shaky ground. And that certainly happens. But then you need a period of, like, unsuredness and, um, and after that period of unsuredness, you need to have like a period of absolute mastery and usually that's where you get to have like the like mind games and like tactical awesomeness horse shit but oftentimes they leave that to a second season and they adapt all of whatever the source material is for that portion for that second for that third um for that third like required section where they start storming the metaphorical castle of whoever they stop hating the player and start hating the game directly and go after the creator usually and in um in something like fate that causes the people to who went after the who went after the game itself to become the next like curators and runners of said game. That's how that cycle goes in that. Sometimes it can be that they break the game permanently and they get to keep their powers and that's the last Darwin's game that occurs and everybody's broken free. But, and there's like an ominous ending of like, this. there could be more here because these stories are really popular so they need to have a way where if they feel like pr turning the money press back on, they can do that. But in the interim, 
you have one, you have two char- you have two character archetypes that are in every single one of these games. The first character archetype is um, in Darwin's game. It's played by and yes, I'm using my phone because I'm cheating. It's played by um, it play it played by Sodo, and Sodo is your main character, your audience stand-in type. And then there's a second character, the character who I haven't bought up until now because it's the most um. It's the most anime-esque, unique character they could, like, figure out. Because the other thing about these shows is they have a... They have a harem anime quality to them a lot of times. Um, But they also have a female lead at almost every time. That's true in Fate. That's true in... um, That's true in Fate in the form of Saber. That's true in um, Mirai Nikki Future Diary in the form of Yuno. Yuno is, you know, if if you've been in anime for long enough, you know who Yuno is. Yuno is the example of Yandere of the form of Yandere. She is like the perfected nightmare form of Yandere. Um, in this in Darwin's game, um, Shuka is. Are like you know stand in. Um, there's a character in Batum as well. Um, character, but this they usually have this this character somewhere, and it is a like slightly mentally broken, insane, murderous intent, just out the wazoo, actual murder usually female character who just wants to usually jump the main character, the main character, a.k.a. your bones, at all times, is hopelessly devoted to you, is usually irrationally and insanely jealous, like, will kill a bitch who looks at you with the eyes. And... All this stuff mixes into this core of, like, kind of just wish fulfillment trash that doesn't usually go anywhere interesting usually and the reason why it doesn't go anywhere interesting is because they they don't do anything unique in terms of story and one of the big jokes of um Sora Online, which I keep coming back to because Sora Online is very much, as well as being attracted in an MMO anime, it is a death game anime as well because if you die in the game, you die in real life kind of thing. Um, But one of the things that everybody kind of knows about Sora Online is the better version of Sora Online, the more interesting, the more... um, story rich the more thought provoking version of Sora Online is Log Horizon. And if you've never heard of Log Horizon, I encourage you to go look this thing up. There's three seasons dubbed on um Funimation. There's I believe there's subtitled on Crunchyroll. But the all the pitfalls of um, 
of Sword Art Online are solved, basically, in Log Horizon. Like, there's not as much creepy fan service. There's, like, all, there's all these things that are true about Log Horizon that are just not true about not even just Sword Online, but most other anime. But the key point is, is that they have a different, they have a different abstraction of if you die in the game, you die in real life. The abstraction in Sword Online, in um, Log Horizon is if you die, and by the way, spoiler alert for this plot point. Um, but if you die in, in, um, Log Horizon, I forget what the game is called, it's, um, you lose, you, you lose memories that were, that you had from real life. And the implication here is that if you lose enough memories, you could eventually just have no memories of your life before you were trapped in the game world. And... That makes a more existential, eldritch horror dread attached to dying. And also they make some weird, they make some odd, unique story choices that put that into question as well. And most death game anime don't do this. And, um, or they don't, they either don't get a second season, which I don't, which Darwin's game has not gotten a second season yet. It only came out in 2020, but still, it's, it has a, doesn't have a second season just yet. But they don't, they don't play intelligently enough with all the building blocks they give you. Um, Future Diary is guilty of this. Um, fate, don't kill me, fate fans, is usually guilty of this. Um, and it's fine to be interested in things, and it's fine to be interested in something else other than your viewer is. But the biggest problem is that it doesn't, is that something like Darwin's Game, or something like Future Diary, or something like Batum, or any number of the death game anime, King's Game, don't... There's all these moments where they could be really interesting. And it's part of the reason why they always get some kind of play. That and the waifu effect of, like, having a waifu in every single one of these shows is, or multiple, is important to, like, the market, the marketability of the show. You know, Shuka in De in Darwin's game is like the selling point you can point to in that show. Um, you know, just the you know is a force of nature in um, in Future Diary. Uh, Saber, right? Saber, the female Medusa version of Ryder. Um, any not friggin' hell. Um, the the male version of Ryder as a hub as a as a boy as a like fantasy boyfriend is a super selling point of fate. And so these but because these these shows don't have such biting commentary because they just took the 
the they skim the surface of battle royale as a concept as a film it doesn't really it doesn't hit the same if you've ever watched and liked a battle royale anime i encourage you to go watch you can go rent it for three dollars on amazon to go watch battle royale the film it is as entertain it is as entertaining if not more so than any of the number of different um battle royale anime or battle royale video games that you played or watched but it it's so clearly a moment of social commentary and actually I talked about this a little bit in um the Shonen Problems um ep- Sunday edition that you can go listen to it is literally the episode before this but the the big problem with shonen which that shonen is starting to have it's starting to butt up against questions of that exist in real life about morality about what makes a bad person a bad person or what makes a good person a good person and it's not it's not dealing with them well this is true in um this is pretty true in um in what's it called in uh my hero academia currently now i can't tell you what will happen when we get like down the road like how they'll deal with a character like um what's her face the yandere blood transformation girl um toga what they'll do with toga's character and how they'll treat her character going forward but i do know that they just dumped you with this girl is basically a vampire and was treated like a monster her entire life. And then they proceeded to blow her up all over town. And I mean, blow her up like she's walking through a landmine field, blow her up and torture the shit out of her. And that's, that's giving punishment to somebody who, yes, is a bad person in the context of the show, but like, it's just a person who's, entire life had been misunderstood and treated badly and if she had some kind of real affection as a child as like a younger child she might not be a psychopath (laughs) and i don't think that show is doing enough to demonstrate like hey these kids are getting fucked up and it's this universe's fault um and trying to fix that as a whole concept in that universe. But I also don't think shows like um, Darwin's Game are doing any better because there's a turning point in this show. I believe it's episode it's episode 11, like almost the almost the end of the show where Sudo was Sudo the main character goes from reluctant but doing okay to just stone cold killer just he just starts murdering people just because he can he could have done all kinds of things to take them out of to be the one who didn't murder people but he definitely just murdered people and you can argue in the aspect of this show like they were going to die anyway. Who cares if he was the cause or not the cause, directly or indirectly? But they take the kinds of they like 
they take the they put the onus on the character to pull the trigger and then they make the character pull the trigger in a way that you are supposed to celebrate it. You are supposed to celebrate him being a badass in the in the way that like you're supposed to celebrate for a time actually specifically not in the way that you're supposed to think about Light Yagami as a as a hero. If if you're watching Death Note and you think of Light Yagami as a hero, you're missing the point of that show. And I, this, and that whole show, the whole show of Death Note, frames like as the bad guy. You are watching the main character who is a bad guy, full stop in that show. Whereas things like Mirai Nikki, things like Darwin's Game, things like um, Fate, things like all these things, frame these like bad at these like badass these like kids who drive themselves to murder as badasses that's not okay especially in the universe of you know incels and and gamer gators and all this other stuff they the best they can do in a show like Darwin's Game or in a show like Batum also is draw a thin line between your main character who you're supposed to root for and the bad guy who you're not supposed to root for and in in the show in these shows generally that means or involves the abuse or the abuse sexual or physical or just plain physical of women (laughs) and they make sure that like the woman is supposedly strong enough to be to like survive it but in this show the character who gets abused is Shuka in um in in Future Diary the character who gets abused is usually Yuno until she's the abuser that flips on his head pretty goddamn quickly usually but the bottom line is that it like it espouses this like very lurid very like on screen at all times physical and usually sexualized physical abuse of women and that's not but so one of the one of the things that i'm gonna talk i'm gonna actually bring lauren back to talk about the whole the whole shebang one of the things that you notice watching the new Ava movies is, especially in the parts where he's retelling Ava, where he's retelling the, the first movie, which I hadn't seen up until recently, up until I watched Shotgun to all four, is that Anno no longer has the, restraint, the constraint of it needing to be broadcast. What that means is he can just show nudity. And in a brief moment, you there's a scene early on where you see, um, right, where in the original the original broadcast version of Ava, you would see Ray putting on her plug suit and like pressing it, and it like zaps all it like vacuum seals to her body from behind a screen. So you see the shadow, and that's about holding your perspective with Shinji 
and Shinji seeing the same thing you're seeing and you not getting any more information. You're not getting any more material, visual material. In the film version, you see it from the other side and you see Ray's body. You see Ray's nude body. And that's a very different perspective. That's giving you, the audience member, a piece of fan service and a piece of perspective you wouldn't have otherwise. And it's using the scene not only for what it's intended for, but also for a moment of um, fan service. And that's not, that's not great. That's, that shows less respect for the female character than the show, than the story it's having. It's giving you, it's giving you the on-screen titillation even though the character isn't getting it. It's a, if the character was seeing it as well, then it would be in-universe, it'd be in-story, it would be part of the story. But oftentimes, you're not seeing that same thing, so you, you're seeing something different, you're getting more information than is necessary, and that's what fan service is. So in a way, all of this like, you know, girl torture that happens in lots of these, um, in lots of, sh like, especially, like, action fantasy shows is really for you, the viewer, as a piece of, and a form of fan service and not, um, and not really story necessary. This even extends to things like Shield Hero, which why I, will fully say I like the concept of Raftalia as a character makes you feel ultra uncomfortable at all goddamn times because she is a fan service convention through and through. Um, and it, if these shows want to do if somebody wants to make a more complex version of these shows, they're going to have to look at, like, the male power fantasy element of these shows. Because if you look at, if you go back and you look at, you know, Battle Royale as a film, that's not there. It is full-on a condemnation of a meritocratic society. <laughs> Just toe-to-tip. All the way. And it's... It, it's like... And the reason why this struck me is because the other thing about these shows is they... And this is where I'll probably leave it. Um, They are giving these superpowers and these wish fulfillment fantasies disguised as torture, quote-unquote, disguised as a responsibility that they must have. Like, uh, basically, they're giving these people these jobs that, and they tell you they like these jobs even though they enjoy these jobs which involve killing people. To, generally speaking, people who don't need them. You know, if you look at Future Diary, if you look at um, Batum, if you look at um, even something like ReZero. So, 
another like crafted an MMO variant kind of thing. It, these characters don't need this stuff. Yeah, they don't live particularly great lives. But in Darwin's game especially, um, Sudo's main complaint with his life is that he doesn't have enough money for what he wants. That's a pretty common non-fucked up complaint. But what it also does, and this is really important, and this is where um, the documentary about um, Woodstock 99 and the social network come in, is it that kind of complaint is a complaint that you or I could have. I I frequently think, actually not that frequently lately, but I sometimes think, hey, I don't have enough money for this computer. I don't have enough money for this recording equipment. I don't have enough as much money as I would like. But I'm not going to go out and kill people. Like I'm not going to go kill people for money to get money. But if I was forced to, like if I was conscripted and they're like, you're going to kill people and we're going to give you money, you, if I'm forced to, I'm not even sure I would. But when you're 13 you, and you've given a show that says you can be a badass and it will fix your problem and it will make you like be able to afford all the cool shit you've ever wanted, that's a, that's a, that's a ticket to entertainment. That's Dream escapist fantasy, so to speak. And it... It struck me that Darwin's game specifically, and the other game, the other stuff as well, ha had that in correlation with... Um, had that in correlation with um, both Woodstock 99, the documentary that's on HBO Max right now and The Social Network which if you've never seen it it's like oh Aaron Sorkin kind of masterwork you can go watch it on Netflix literally right now but all of these things to an extent the, the thing about the Woodstock documentary and um, The Social Network they're not glorifying of this, like, middle-of-the-road, slightly shitty, wants-more-than-they-have white guy. <laughs> Darwin's game really is. It is, un, it is unanalytical about its main character and about how awesome its main character is. Um, but um, an actually good show, that a show that does this decently well is Guilty Crown. Um, and in Guilty, and the reason why I said in Guilty Crown, what eventually happens is the main character of Guilty Crown eventually loses his finger-licking mind, goes full fucking Lord of the Flies on his high school, and just is running the harem and running a, and like running a racket. And eventually, I forget which character does this, basically goes to him and is like, dude, you're fucked up. This is fucked up. This is not okay. Come, come back to reality, you dumb piece of shit. And in, um, in Darwin's game, there's no interrogation of that. But you are very much taking the kind of, you know, bland, milquetoast, vaguely some-shaped white guy 
who shows up to something like um, Woodstock 99 and ultimately starts to riot and massive fires. Um, you are taking that same kind of white guy who um, Aaron Sorkin, uh, I'm not sure rightly, depicts um, Jesse Eisenberg as um, Mark Zuckerberg as. And, like, at the end of the day, when I was done watching this, I, I didn't feel like there was... I felt like there's... I feel like the demand for this kind of main character... I mean, I know there's demand for this kind of main character. I have been in anime for a minute. I know the demand for this kind of main character. There's, like, demand for an uncritical, unsought... Uh, unsought after, like, power, like, powerhouse of, like, a bland, milquetoast, everyday guy. But I, I don't feel like it's interesting. I don't, I, like, it, uh, I, the reason why I was, like, I would like to see a second, I would like to see a second season of Darwin's Game was not because I was interested in watching more Darwin's game. <laughs> it was not because I would like pour more trash into my face, although I do have that urge at most times. Um, it was because the like deep reptile lizard brain in the back of my skull was like, we must know the end of the story. And that's really it. And I don't necessarily think that's a good enough reason to get the end of a story. I I don't like the characters in this do not go through some grand transformational thing into being better, more enlightened people. They become murderers in these in these battle royale battle royale shows. The I'm gonna come back to um I'm gonna wrap this around and come back to. Um, Battle Royale and um, The Hunger Games. Say what you will about The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games is a great story that's written like horseshit. Like it's hard to it. Like I listened to it because it was hard to actually get through reading. It was ba a badly written good story. But what th what The Hunger Games ultimately does that Battle Royale also did was it. Presents characters with choice with a choice. It says either kill everybody, either kill everybody in your high school class, basically, or or get killed and be and be a body on the pile towards the throne. And what at every point, and what at every point, um, Katniss and Peta ultimately do is they take the third option. They take the option no one no one even considers because the fear of dying overtakes them. And they say, fuck you. We choose to be alive together. We choose instead of one survivor, there be two. And that be the first step to toppling all this horseshit. At the end of um, Battle Royale, it, there are two survivors left. There is a young, there's a teenage girl and a teenage boy, and that's 
half the same way it is in um, the Hunger Games. Battle Royale is basically the Hunger Games. It is the Hunger Games before the Hunger Games existed, and it is better and more interesting and more focused. But at the end of that movie, there's a real understanding that like this is the end of battle Ro- of like the battle royale that happens like once every four years or some shit. This is the end of it. This is this is it. These kids go back and they take that option off the map. The um same thing is ostensibly true of the Hunger Games. You know, Peta and Katniss go back and they are the start of the end of the Hunger Games. As like a couple and as humans. And they start in and they start interrogating the adults who are making them do this. They start interrogating and speaking truth to power in a way that was not of it was not possible before them. And what's but what's also really interesting is and just a key point they don't give you in any of these death games. Is you you meet characters in um I think um Hamish, who's played by Woody Harrelson in the movies, who have made it out of the uh, of the bad. And in the start of um Battle Royale, you meet the one little girl who murdered everybody. <laughs> in like a fairly comical but also very terrifying scene in the very beginning of um of Battle Royale. It's just this like thirteen year old girl who's fucking blood soaked to her bones and it's terrifying and you see how fucked up she is. And and by not giving you that and by not interrogating the real structures of these things, rules and universe in a really serious way, in a way that isn't like, hey, this is just for entertainment purposes, or hey, this guy runs a fighting ring, or this girl runs a gambling, a gambling establishment. They they make it all about entertainment. They do, they don't have any interest in what you're in what in they they have interest in what's happening here in only so much as they're trying to entice you with story. And I don't really have a lot of interest in dealing with those things unless it wants to have a conversation about what real life could but what in real life this could involve. And on that note, this is um this has been Lunchbox. You, you, this this has been Lunchbox Radio. I have been Alex, and if you like this show, you can go subscribe to it in anywhere you get a po- anywhere you get your podcast. You can also go subscribe to the YouTube channel, which I believe is called Lunchbox Publishing. Um and new Videos drop usually the day after um, the podcast happens, only because I want to give myself time to breathe and time for shit to fuck up, which happens. Um, And new episodes come out 
in terms of the podcast every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is like this. It's um, it's a uh, it's me talking about a show or a movie. Um, and Sunday is more metatextual. It's about um, like the fandom, the industry, stuff like that. So you'll get both in the same feed every week. So until Sunday, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And I'll talk to you then.